One of the biggest challenges most owners have in leaving the business on their terms is that they don't have enough business value and they don't have enough net investment assets outside of the business to be able to leave the business. Hello, this is Elizabeth Mower, president of BEI. And I'm John Brown, the founder of BEI. Each episode, we take you into the world of exit planning, sharing the stories, struggles, and opportunities of business owners and their advisors. We'll get into this episode's conversation right after this. Gain the insight and knowledge that thousands of business owners and their advisors have used to plan for the future. The BEI membership equips you with the proven process that enables owners to exit their business on their terms. Receive access to case studies, podcasts like the one you're listening to now, a resource toolkit, and so much more. Cement your position as the trusted advisor to your most successful clients. Get started today by visiting exitplanning.com forward slash membership. That's exitplanning.com forward slash membership. Welcome back. Today, John and I are talking about some more scenarios that are uh, reasonably common in our business planning work. So if you're an advisor, I think you'll, I think you will recognize some of the patterns. And if you're a business owner, it will sound familiar as well. John, you wanted to start off with sort of an example mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, sort of scenario so that we could talk about what we might do for that client. Right. And I, the reason I'm doing this is because it's easy to think up of a case study and you'll just have to give us all the answers on how to deal with it. That's perfect. All right. So here's the scenario. And this really is very common in exit planning. We have an, let's assume we have an owner. Let's assume we've gone through the first couple of steps of the exit planning process. So we know with accuracy what his or her goals and aspirations are in terms of leaving the business. And we also know what their resources are they have today to accomplish that. And we know the, the amount of the resources needed eventually uh, post-exit to support the lifestyle the owner wants post-exit. And we know that the gap between the resources they have today and what they're going to need, let's just say, is $2 million. Okay. So then the big question in exit planning is, well, how do we close that gap within the time frame the owner would like to have until he or she can leave the business? It might be three years. It might be five years, whatever. Mm-hmm. So but let's just dwell on this gap and how to close the gap. The first thing or one of the main things that anybody who's doing exit planning is is going to suggest or investigate is what is the strength of the management team? Uh, Is the management team capable of closing that gap over this time period the owner has has decided they, they have? And how are we going to encourage the management team to close that gap? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where we are. So. Let, let me turn the mic over to you. What are your thoughts? What, do you, what are the questions you would have? What more would you want to know? What direction would you tend to go in? Okay, that's good, because I thought you were going to ask me to tell you how we're going to close the gap, but you didn't tell me any of the facts. You just said, we know what they need. Yeah. And we know you know, a $2 million gap is not enough information for me to say, so I will think through... Uh, I will think through... Um, the kinds of things I would need to do next in order to get to a gap closing plan. I might also add that 
probably for a real client who's in this situation, by the time we get to this moment, we've already also done some things like evaluate their situation outside of the business. Some mm -hmm. business owners, I worked with one maybe a year ago who had a business that really wasn't worth very much, but had amassed over time a significant amount of income producing real estate. And so that person didn't need the business to be worth as much mm -hmm. uh, because they were going to be able to create an, a more comprehensive plan using some of the other assets that mm -hmm. they had acquired using money from the business over probably 30 years. So that can happen. And let's say in your example, we've already done all of that. And the $2 million is, okay, after we've already figured out what other what rental mm -hmm. properties does this person own? What um, what other assets do they have? What are their income expectations, et cetera? That would back to that two million dollar gap that you mentioned. So, mm -hmm. if the business has to close the gap, then there's a few different kinds of areas we want to look at, right? So there is the financial performance of the company mm -hmm. and the people performance of the company, and maybe trying to understand what is the what is the capacity or the possibility of this business i think there are some people who are in who are in a bit in a business where business value can can fill the gap that they have between mm -hmm. where they are today and where they want to be for financial security and independence mm -hmm. there's other businesses where sort of business income needs to be sort of managed and collected and accumulated and set aside. So you haven't told me which kind of business we're in. So for example, if the client is a solo practice dentist, we might need to focus on a method for deriving income, maximizing income, and some length of time that mm -hmm. would allow us to accumulate mm -hmm. income that would fill the gap between where that person is today and where they are and where they want to be. Then maybe I have a different client who is in a, maybe they're even, you know, we've worked with recruiting firms, all kinds of service firms, as well as manufacturing, even technology firms and things like that. If the firm has the, or the, or the business has the capacity to grow in value, it would, of course, we need to keep in mind, need to grow by more than $2 million, mm -hmm. most likely, mm -hmm. in order to cover the tax consequences of any liquidity event or sale or extraction of, of dollars. And, and then the remainder would have to equal the $2 million gap. So what kind of business is it, I think, is going to be important? Mm -hmm. And what are the things that the business has the possibility? I'm having trouble with a good word, the capability to do. Mm -hmm. and. Once I know what the business can do to help fill the gap, I might need the owner for that. I might need some other advisor team members for that if I'm not particularly good at identifying. Then I can start to say, okay, what tools do I have that I can put in place? So maybe you can tell me now, what kind of a business are we talking about? What is what is going to be its greatest likelihood of, of, of creating uh, the two million dollars that we need. Where will that? Where will that likely be? Well, let's say it's a service company. Okay. They sell and service widgets. Okay. Um, but I guess what I would focus on, taking a different perspective, is what has to happen. I and think that's exactly the same perspective. And taking but it, it's, it, but it's who who is going to drive that? 
what's going to mm-hmm. happen. In my mind, it needs to be the management team. Right. The management team somehow has to drive the increase in value, the increase in cash flow. Right. Uh, it can't be the owner because that means the owner is too central to the operation of the business, which will make it very difficult to transition the ownership at some point. Right. So we have to look at the management team. And I would say, you know, as a punky attorney, when I was doing exit planning, I w- wouldn't be in a position to tell the owner what has to happen in his or her business to, to grow it. I wouldn't know what the capability of growing it would be. That's something the business ownership and management team is going to have to tell us or a consultant coming in. Yeah, I think all, most of the time the owner and the management can can say what needs to happen. Uh, and I've tried to really get people to kind of expand their their concept of things to talk about with the business owner. You can ask a business owner, you know, what has to happen in order for this business to grow by $3 million in value if this is the method we use to value it mm-hmm. and here's your value today. Like you could ask a business owner just that question, but but I think to be more sort of, you know, sort of textured about it, you can say, you know, well, what would have to happen with your customers? What would have to happen with your products? Mm-hmm. What would have to happen with your market? What would have to happen with your oper- internal operations? So could you be getting more customers? Could you be could you be pricing in a different way? Could you be collecting in a different way? Could you be um, could you be reducing expenses on how you produce whatever your your work is? So even in a service company, expenses can be managed if they especially if for Maybe in the past they weren't being managed very carefully. So who would you use? Let's say you're an advisor listening in right now, and the advisor's thinking, well, I, I'm a CPA or I'm a financial planner or I'm an insurance advisor. I don't know how to even ask those questions. Who would they? But let, let's also assume maybe the business isn't growing as quickly as it should be. How does that advisor help that owner? Should we be thinking of bringing in outside business consultants? Should we uh, should we be talking to the existing advisors? What what kind of process are we going to use to move this business forward? Yeah, that's a good question, and I've seen it done in a lot of different ways. I think there's a lot of uh, sort of negativity out there towards business consultants, but the reality is that the good ones do such yeah. an amazing job. So. I'm a big fan of the of the business consultant who come, can come in for a particular purpose with a particular outcome in mind, especially if they are you know highly recommended from other businesses who've been in a similar situation. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't you know <clears throat> I wouldn't necessarily hire a consultant who's really good at improving internal operations if what I needed to do was improve my marketing and mm-hmm. sales activities. Mm-hmm. So you get somebody whose whose skill set and background are very tightly connected to what the owner knows. I do think I do think it's a good point to make. Business owners tend to know where the opportunity is. They started the business, they've grown the business. They may have reached their capacity, but they can it's almost like they can see it but they just can't reach. They don't know how to quite get there. Yes. That's where the so consultant comes in. The consultant in. can come in and give them a new idea or a fresh perspective. And so I think that's pretty good, but mm-hmm. I have also seen 
very, very good recommendations from a client's CPA mm-hmm. who's just been kind of watching their trends over the years and kind of thinking about their business and maybe isn't especially assertive and maybe not even proactive, unfortunately, mm-hmm. but really has some pretty smart ideas. So I've seen lots of CPAs who aren't, you know, who aren't naturally very future oriented really show up when asked this question, you know, CPA X, what do you think that this client could do to improve the val- the overall value mm-hmm. of the business if we think that we're basically going to value the business in this way? I think that's kind of helpful. Uh, and it tends to be off of some kind of income, profitability, or earnings measure is the easiest way to, to, to see where you're going to make a change. Mm-hmm. And I think CPAs can be extremely helpful as well. So I would not discount them, even if they've never given that advice before. It's possible that they just didn't think that that was part of what they were being asked to do, and they've been keeping it to themselves. So consultants, coaches, CPAs, some clients will hire a temporary CFO Mm -hmm. uh, where they don't feel that they're really out of size or of a need where they need somebody permanently, but they need someone to really come and do kind of detailed analytics really understand what's happening in the business so that they can be more precise about areas for growth. And all those people are going to say, okay, here's what needs to happen. And I would say in some businesses, the management team is aware enough and sort of has a, you know, has a good enough view out across the business and the landscape to see those things. And in other businesses, the management team is, you know, just very excellent, but maybe doesn't have the ability to see those things. So I'd yeah. say it really depends so, on the employees. So one thing is we're thinking of doing exit planning that we really need to develop is really, I'd call a really good team or really good bench of Agreed. outside advisors. I mean, uh, your example, maybe the existing CPA can offer good advice, but we'd always want more than one CPA on our advisor bench in addition, mm-hmm. because maybe their existing CPA is good at preparing financial statements, but uh, doesn't have a lot of income tax planning background or doesn't have a lot of background in, I guess, the mechanics of running a business as a outside CPA, well-experienced CPA would have. So CPAs, attorneys, in, a, in probably a number, a few at least, different business consultants who focus on different areas. Mm-hmm. I mean, you mentioned maybe somebody in marketing, maybe somebody in operations, uh, a temporary CFO. Those are all consultants that I didn't use enough when I practiced law. I think I could have helped my clients more by bringing in consultants. The problem is it's hard, it's difficult sometimes to really find the well-experienced consultants who can come in uh, have an engagement, help the business, make sure it's imp- all their suggestions are implemented, and then they leave. Right, and you have to also, you know, I think I think people shy away from the expense of that added person, uh, and so if you get someone who's who comes very highly recommended, you can do maybe a better cost benefit analysis to say, well, maybe it costs me. I mean, we've worked with consultants who were charging getting, you know, 150000 or $200,000 a year from a business mm-hmm. on a part-time basis. And I remember thinking, okay, that seems like kind of a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, when the impact of the work that they did on that part-time basis for a year 
is a two or three or four million dollar swing in business value, it starts to make spending $150,000 not seem like a very bad idea. So if the person has a really good track record and has demonstrated their ability to move the needle Mm -hmm. in other companies, then I think even this additional expense is really just an investment, the returns on which can be pretty significant. And, And the consulting engagement might be fairly narrow, so it might just be we need to work with a consultant or a coach who can come in and work with our management team to uh, streamline the sales process or to enhance the marketing process. It might be a small area within right. the firm. It doesn't have to be an overarching business consultant. Right. So developing that team of advisors as you go into the planning mode so that you can call on other people when the need arises, which it will. Because I guess in my experience, one of the essential, one of the biggest challenges most owners have and leaving the business on their terms is that they don't have enough business value and they don't have enough out, uh, net investment assets outside of the business right. to be able to leave the business. So mm-hmm. they're going to have to grow the value of the business. And if they've been business owners for 20 or 25 or 30 years, they may not have the drive, they may not have the the experience or the capability themselves or their management team to grow at the pace we need to grow it at in order to allow the owner to leave. So that's just a kind of a almost near universal issue we have in exit planning. Mm -hmm. And I've had business owners who are, you know, a little bit more self-aware, a little bit maybe more honest with themselves say to me, you know, Elizabeth, I just don't have anything else in my arsenal, like I I'm don't stuck. have any more arrows in yeah. the quiver. I have done everything I can do. I have been very successful, but I don't have the next. I just don't have what it's going to yeah. take. And I think it takes a very sort of self-confident, self-aware business owner to say, I have reached my limit. But I have had business owners tell me that. And those are the people who end up making the greatest progress. Because they stop trying to beat their head against the wall or spin their wheels or any number of other things you could describe. And they say, you know what? It's time to have someone who's got demonstrated expertise in this area come and apply it to my business. Because my expertise is limited to this business for the last 30 years. That's all I've been doing. That's all I know. Mm -hmm. It might not be enough. So now we know we have a $2 million gap. We have uh, a, a variety of of sort of paths we can take to figure out what needs to happen to fill it and who needs to participate in that kind of analysis Mm -hmm. and evaluation. And so now we've, let's say in your client company, we've identified the gap, we've identified uh, the people who are going to participate in the developing the plan to fill the Mm -hmm. gap, what's going to have to happen. And they've done all of that. What's going to be our next step? Because well, we haven't filled the gap yet, so we must not be done. Well, I think the next step is this all has to be done not through the owner. The owner, again, is going to be the owner, maybe has the strategic vision, but we can't put all that responsibility on the shoulders of the owner because the owner is going to be leaving this business. And if he has or she has the knowledge, the experience, the smarts to drive this business forward and they leave, 
we're not going to be able to sell the business right. for the money we want to sell it for. The business isn't going to be able to continue. So that has that responsibility has to be shifted to management. And so that's maybe the $64 question. We might explore that in another video podcast. Now that we've identified our gap, how do we get the, how do we want to determine if the management team they have now can rise to the occasion? Mm-hmm. How do we motivate and incentivize them to rise to the occasion? Mm-hmm. And how do we design that? Right. There's uh, lots to do. I agree. So this is a full and complete process. And you do have to start with what it is that you need to have happen and how you're going to do it, who's going to be in charge of doing it, and then how we get that done, mm-hmm. stay tuned for a future podcast. So this is this is really why we plan that if we don't start from the beginning with asking the right questions in the mm-hmm. right order, we're probably going to miss something, right? That's so easy to do because my tendency, um, I'm not as patient as Elizabeth. True. I should ask more questions like Elizabeth does. Mm-hmm. I tend to jump to solutions more quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, for some owners, that's fine because they don't, they move quickly. So that, that, that works well. But for example, when Elizabeth was talking about working with consultants or coaches, uh, trying to get a, a good grasp of what has to happen in the business, uh, that really is a great first step uh, because that does all then have to trickle through for implementation ultimately to the management team. Right. I think a lot of us in exaplaning have a tendency to jump straight to the management team and just expect them to do it right. if they're incented. But if they don't know how to do it, right. but they could learn how to do it, that's a great solution. Right. That's why we plan. That is why we plan. <laughs> and if you don't need the consultant, fine. Yeah. I think that's. I think that's. I don't recommend it in every case. Uh, so it really depends on the client situation. All right. So in future podcasts, let's talk more about how we get, you know, what can we do to align the management team with the interests of the owner, where you can see, we can talk about situations where sometimes it might seem that their interests are in conflict. Mm -hmm. What do we do about that? How do we get everybody pointed in the same direction and moving? There's lots to talk about on that and probably lots of other podcasts we can do. So thanks for being here today. Thanks for listening and watching today. We appreciate it. See you next time. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Join us for our next episode. For more content like this, please visit exitplanning.com.